This week on the Pressure Cast, we go through all the announcements and reveals at the 2016 Game Awards and PlayStation Experience Showcase. It's Monday, December 5th, 2016. Everything happening in the world of video games is here, now on the Pressure Cast. Pressure Pals, welcome to the 157th episode of Pressure Cast. Video games are Dom.com's weekly news panic that posts every single Monday on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, Google Play Music, and America's longest running independent newspaper at ShepardExpress.com. My name is Colin Tanner, and I'm caffeinated and ready to ramble to you about some gosh darn video games. But in case you've never listened to the Pressure Cast before, each week the Pressure Cast slices up the latest video game news, past, present, and future, and places them in several sensational segments and jams it right in your ears in two hours or less. If you want to contact the Pressure Cast, you can email pressurecast at gmail.com. You can text or call 954 947 7377 to have your text message or voice message heard on air, or you can even tweet at VGA Dumb. That stands for Video Games Are Dumb. Use the hashtag Pressure so I know you want to be read on air. And if you're watching this on YouTube, do the exact same thing. Put up that hashtag PressureCast in the comments below. All of the links are available in the description of your podcast app or this YouTube video. So, uh, it was a pretty busy week this week. We had two big shows. Uh, it almost felt like E3 in December. And because of this, we're going to do things you know slightly differently this week. Uh, instead of just... You know, going through the hype train and going through the chart park. And we're still going to do that. Don't get me wrong. We're still going to go and, and do all that stuff. We're going to open up the show by going through all the details we heard from the PlayStation Experience and the Game Awards. And we're going to start off with the PlayStation Experience, which took place on Saturday. And man, they started this off with a huge announcement. It was revealed that Uncharted The Lost Legacy will be arriving in 2017. Now, it was a little unclear at first where this was a new game or if it was DLC for Uncharted 4. It's been revealed it is standalone DLC, and it's only going to be like one chapter uh, where you play as Chloe from the Uncharted series. The The trailer itself was was pretty impressive. Uh, the main character had her, her face covered the entire time, and I honestly thought it was an announcement for another Tomb Raider game, which would have been... Kind of amazing, considering that Rise of the Tomb Raider was, uh, you know, originally an Xbox One exclusive, timed exclusive. But no, instead, this is Uncharted, uh, The Lost Legacy. And they didn't really show any uh, substantial gameplay. It was mostly just walking through pre-scripted events. Like, she was going through uh, uh, basically these checkpoints where guards were like, who are you? What are you doing here? And then she had escaped them. A little bit of fighting. None of it looked to be real gameplay though i don't doubt it's in real-time engine uh it was very gorgeous though uh up next they announced that there's going to be marvel versus capcom infinite which will be on the playstation 4 in 2017 this is amazing we have a brand new marvel vs. capcom game which i'm kind of surprised by because i know capcom's been struggling recently they don't really have too many franchises they're doing so well whereas marvel has exploded in popularity and all we really know about this game right now is that they're bringing back the infinity gems, you know, the gems that give you uh, specific powers in, in, in defense or allow you to do super attacks. And the characters confirmed so far are Mega Man, which is kind of a given, Ryu, which is 
a, a no duh, Iron Man. Uh, and what's funny about this is that Iron Man is now very popular, you know, in the mainstream because of the Robert Downey Jr. movies. But back in the day, Iron Man was the shit in Marvel vs. Capcom and even back in Marvel superheroes because every single time he'd win, he just starts shooting energy out of his chest. Like he's like, yeah, I just won the match. It was bonkers back in the day. And Miss Marvel has been confirmed for the game, which is super cool. I guess technically that's not Miss Marvel. That's uh, Captain Marvel as of right now in the DC Comics universe. We did get to see a little bit of gameplay later on at the Capcom Cup that night. And I'll say it looks a little bit more... Um, uh, man, I don't know what word I want to use here. It looks more stiff uh, than than even Marvel vs. Capcom 3, which isn't a bad thing. It didn't look to be incredibly fast. It looked like all the attacks were... Just very deliberate, even the combos. And so I think it might be more inviting for, uh, you know, new players, uh, which is good because, like I said, Marvel is incredibly popular right now. I have no doubt this game will outsell Street Fighter V in no time. I, I just, I don't doubt it because Marvel is so popular right now. Uh, kind of a shame it's not called Marvel vs. Capcom 4. Would have liked that, but, you know. What are you going to do? We're getting another Marvel vs. Capcom. You can't complain about that. And besides that, maybe those Capcom characters might lay the groundwork for some sequels to, I don't know, Power Stone or, you know, Rival Schools. Just just putting that out there one more time. Or maybe we'll get a SNK versus Capcom. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> anyway, uh, they also announced a brand new Wipeout remaster. It's going to be Wipeout from the original PlayStation 1 days. The original game, um, Fury, which was Wipeout Fury, which was a sequel, and Wipeout 2048 remastered. Uh, supposedly, it's going to be in 4K, which makes sense. These aren't going to be very hardware-intensive games, but it still looked beautiful. It had all the loop-de-loops and the smooth curves, in case you don't know. In case you don't know, Wipeout is a futuristic racing game where you're racing uh, these sort of, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, triangles that hover, <laughs> and you can shoot missiles, you can get shields. It's Basically, it was their answer to Mario Kart and F-Zero merged into one back on the original PlayStation. It was a gorgeous game, has many fans, although I believe uh, the original developers of those games was shut down a few years ago, which is kind of sad. Man, I just bummed myself out. Anyway, moving on, then they showed the trailer for, for you know the game that many people have been waiting for, Crash Bandicoot. N-Sane Trilogy, you know, capital N-Sane Trilogy. These are the three remakes of, once again, a PlayStation original trilogy. Crash 1, uh, Crash 2? What was Crash 2 even called? I think it was just called Crash 2, right? And then Crash Warped, which of course was Crash 3. They mostly showed clips from the original Crash Bandicoot, is, is what I noticed. And it really is a one-for-one -one remake. They are taking the layout of the previous stages, they're taking the camera angle of the original games, and they are just remastering the games. And, um, or not remastering, I should say remaking the games. And it looks very good, obviously has more particle effects, has more light sources, you know, tons more polygons in the individual characters and backgrounds. But the general shapes and, um, you know, just the layout is identical. And that has me uh, a little bit worried because I think new players are going to be extremely frustrated trying to play that first Crash Bandicoot. That game is not easy. It is a very challenging game. I know you're maybe listening to this and going, what are you talking about? I used to play a game all the time when I was a kid. Seriously, go back. I have 
that game kicks your ass in some some very very depressing ways like it it crushes your spirit and and you try your best and you feel so bad because you don't want to see crash die you don't want to see you don't want to see him jump on that tnt box and then see the little pair of shoes fall from the sky that's not what you want that's what you get over and over and over again you feel like a failure man like, what are you doing with your life? Anyway, maybe that's just me. But hey, looking forward to it. Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. So if you're following so far, we've got fan favorite, fan favorite, fan favorite. These are all uh, properties, with the exception of Marvel vs. Capcom, owned by Sony. And they would continue that trend by announcing the Call of Duty World League trailer. Because there's a Call of Duty uh, World League, where people compete for Call of Duty. I love Call of Duty. I find watching these competitions very, very boring. Uh, then they showed a trailer for Resident Evil 7. They announced that there's going to be a final update to the Resident Evil 7 uh, demo, which now allows for PlayStation VR. Incredibly cool. And from what I understand, you can now play that demo from so many E3s ago, The Kitchen, uh, which got a lot of buzz when it was uh, when it was uh, tested. Even before they knew it was related to Resident Evil, the kitchen was one of the highlights of PlayStation VR. Now you can check that out if you have a VR headset. And good luck, because those are actually hard to come by. Um, anyway, uh, they didn't... <laughs> oh my god. They then showed a trailer for... <sighs> Jesus. Street Fighter V. And I am one of those people that's been defending Street Fighter V the entire way. The entire way. I played it. I thought it was amazing. I wish they would go free to play or I wish they would make the game cheaper or I wish they'd put more money in their marketing. But I love Street Fighter V. I think it's a fantastic game. But they put on this trailer and it's Akuma, except he's got long hair and a beard. And they're like, yep, there's another season of support for Street Fighter V. It's like, oh, okay. But we already knew Akuma was coming. And it pretty much looked like the previous Akuma trailer, except... He had a beard. I mean, it was it was nothing. It just seemed like that was clutter on their stage. That didn't need to be there. They could have saved that for the Capcom Cup. No problem. Although I'm sure that they wanted to expose it to a wider audience, but whatever. It's important to note that Street Fighter V is a PlayStation 4 exclusive and PC. But come on, we're talking consoles, eh, PlayStation 4. Now here comes to one of the most conflicting announcements for me personally. They announced an HD remastering i guess you could say of parappa the rapper the original parappa the rapper from the playstation one and i'm watching this trailer and and, and they say it has 4k support and other enhancements and it, it looked good uh i've obviously messed around with emulation in my time and i have you know used the anti-aliasing and the, and the features available through modern emulation to replay parappa the rapper and it uh, uh this didn't look that different this didn't look that different at all. And that's sort of disappointing, especially when it's just Prapper the Rapper. And don't get me wrong. I love that game. One of my favorite games of all time. But it's like, well, where's Umjammer Lammy? Why not just pair them together? You know, because I, I, I feel like you're going to attract a wider audience because like we've got a rock game and we've got a rap game, you know, and Umjammer Lammy deserves that attention. That game significantly undersold back in the day, even though it was fantastic. Uh, and and Prap of the Rapper 2, just throw that in there as well. They already did the conversion for PlayStation 4 through the PlayStation 2 Classics. So let's make this bundle where it's Prap of the Rapper, I'm Gemma Lammy, and, uh, you know, and Prap of the Rapper 2, which are all great games. And I highly recommend you check them out. I just wish it was 
another Prapper the Rapper. I wish it was a sequel. Uh, you know, the remake, it's like, yeah, I played that game a bunch. But I wanted them to do something new and fresh and exciting, but they aren't going to. And it's just one game, like I mentioned. And I'm especially disappointed in this because they announced that they're going to be doing a, I guess, a, a the trilogy of Patapon is what I what I'd heard that Patapon is going to be remastered, as is Loco Roco. And it's like, well, if you're going to put the effort into bringing those games out, why don't you just put them all together? You know, it's just, I don't know. Maybe I'm being petty. Whatever. Maybe this is just laying the groundwork for that amazing Prap of the Rapper sequel that we'll get in 2018. I wish. I hope. I pray. Because any sequel is possible after this next announcement. Knack 2. They are making another knack. Now, there have been rumors for months that they were making another knack, but I, I don't know. I kind of was like, eh, I can't really imagine that's really going to see the light of day. But it is the original launch title knack, which, of course, was um, uh, directed by Mark Cerny, the lead architect of the PlayStation 4. So very important person there. Uh, I guess that was a passion project of his. And the original Knack got a lot of crap. I didn't think it deserved all that. I thought it was serviceable in many ways. Uh, and from a graphical standpoint, very impressive. Uh, showed a lot of particle effects. But this Knack 2, we didn't get to really see what the story is going to be about. We got to see two Knacks, so it's going to be co-op, a red and a blue one fighting together. They were using swords and, and fighting giant beasts. They were fighting uh, what appeared to be the military. They were in ancient jungles and ruins and coliseums and uh, uh, construction sites escaping giant beasts. It looked like more neck. Good for them. I, I mean, you know, it's good to see that they are willing to support a franchise. And that's something Sony's always done. They will stand by their franchises, even if there's no reason to have sequels. I mean, my God, they gave Resistance two sequels and a PSP game. When many people played it and went, eh, this isn't too good. They still stuck with it, which is pretty remarkable if you ask me. Anyway. Moving on, they had another trailer for Gravity Rush 2, uh, although this was for a DLC called Another Story, which will be free, so you will get this DLC for free. Uh, this was after they delayed the game from December, because it was going to be like three days away from The Last Guardian. I think it was coming on, uh, it was supposed to be out this Friday, if I'm not mistaken. They delayed it, they apologized, they said, hey, this DLC where you play is Raven, who's a character from uh, Gravity Rush, obviously. It's a DLC all about her story. It looked pretty cool. Uh, you know, I still recommend people go out and try Gravity Rush Remastered, which is on the PlayStation 4. Originally a Vita game and a great Vita game made better on the PlayStation 4. And uh, if you're into anime or whatever, I think you're really going to dig that game. We also saw another trailer for GT Sport, uh, which basically just talked about how it had HDR. It had 4K. They had some amazing nighttime scenes in this sort of NASCAR arena environment. Uh, beautiful daylight scenes with with um, with hot air balloons in the sky. It just it, it looked gorgeous, you know. And I was watching this on a 720p stream, and even I was just I thought it was breathtaking. One of the things they kept saying is "feel the light." Uh, I guess they're really focusing on the lighting of this game for HDR. They showed a sunset and talked about how that was going to affect uh, the visuals of the game. I think if you own a 4K television, if you own a PlayStation 4 Pro and you've got the HDR enabled, this is going to be the game to check out because Gran Turismo, say what you will about that franchise, even if you're bored to death by, you know, uh, doing a number of tests to get brand new licenses or uh, how there's not enough car damage in the game, they always look beautiful. And I like Gran Turismo, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. We then saw a trailer for Nini, Nini, Nini. <laughs> 
<laughs> we saw a trailer for Nino Cooney. <laughs> or as I call it, Nino Ni. <laughs> Uh, Relevant Kingdom, which of course is a sequel to the PlayStation 3 exclusive Nino Kuni. Uh, you know, once again, this is sort of what, what kept happening to all of the trailers, whether it was Gravity Rush or, or GT Sport or or Nino Kuni. They didn't really give you anything uh, sizable to latch on to. You know, I feel like Marvel vs. Capcom did a very good job where they showed two characters fighting and then it was two more characters fighting and then it was Marvel vs. Capcom Infinity and it was great. So you had like a basic A to B to C to D story. The rest of these were just sort of, you know, just, I don't know, just random clips put together. Uh, but despite this, Nino Kuni uh, just looks so good. Like one of the best looking games I've ever seen. If, if it lives up to these trailers, because it has a lot of cell shading and it, it has an obvious influence uh, and a former collaboration with Studio Ghibli, the people behind things like My Neighbor Totoro and, and Princess Mononoke. There's just so much character going on. They had these little squirmy ghost creatures and this girl with cat ears and everything about it was just so endearing. Uh, I guess the main focus of the game is going to be building your own kingdom. So you'll be in charge. Um, maybe you'll have to manage uh, the city that you're building. Mm. Gio Corsi then went onto the stage and he said he had a lightning round for the audience, and he certainly did. There were a ton of games with very little context. Uh, they announced uh, Yakuza 6, which is going to be coming, I think, fall next year. They announced Yakuza Kiwami, which is a remake of the original Yakuza, which is coming in January. Oh, my God. I uh, I played the original Yakuza not too long ago for the very first time. Well, not for the first time, but I beat it for the first time, and... Let me tell you, the original Yakuza is one of the best games I've ever played. I uh, I miss that game, and the opportunity to replay it on the PlayStation 4 is so exciting. And I want to be clear here. I played through it in 2015. 15? Yes. So about two years ago on a PlayStation 2, and I am still excited to go back to that game. I have, I have nostalgia for a game I played two years ago. You definitely want to check out Yakuza Kiwami. <clears throat> uh, they also talked about Danganronpa 3, which will be available on Vita and PlayStation 4. Near Autom Automata, which was going to be out on March 7th, 2017. That trailer, once again, not a whole lot of details, just a lot of footage of a girl uh, fighting giant robots and kicking their asses. It looked amazing. She was just like kicking these, these giant metallic creatures effortlessly. They were just flying off the screen. It was beautiful. Uh, they also showed off Yeast Origins, which is coming out in February on Vita and PlayStation 4. I, do people really like these Yeast games? They're, they're a series of JRPGs that have been around forever. And I know that they were very important and influential on things like uh, the TurboGrafx-16 CD. But after that, I, I, I don't know anyone that's really a hardcore fan of these. But whatever, more Vita content, always a good thing. Uh, Super Giant Games also has a game called Pyre, which is going to be a sort of arena battler with a single and multiplayer. Uh, of course, they're the people behind things like uh, Bastion, fantastic games. Uh, you know, once again, trailer didn't really give a whole lot of indication. That's going to be kind of a continued theme here. They showed a lot of stuff throughout this presentation, but they didn't get into details. And I'm not asking that they spend five minutes on everything, but just sort of show build a story in your clips that's very important so that people can sort of at least grasp what's going on. When all I see are explosions or, 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 or the final attack, I don't know what led to that. I don't know what the systems are. You know, I, mm, I don't know. Maybe I mean too picky. I don't know. Uh, they also announced 
uh, Vane, which is sort of an eco-style game, uh, you know, exploration-based. They showed off the Absolver online melee combat game, which will be out in 2017. This looks to be just sort of a... Um, sort of a medieval title with swords and, and, and shields and also fists. So there's also martial arts. Digital Devolver is putting it out. They put out some fantastic games. Uh, if you played things like Hotline Miami or, or um, uh, God, the spy game. I never remember the name of the damn spy game that was on PlayStation 4. That's the type of stuff that they put out. And it's always original. It's always exciting. Uh, even if it's not the best game in the world, you walk away feeling like you've experienced something you haven't before. And just the way that the impacts of the fists looked when they were striking other people, it it really, I don't know, I could see how that would be satisfying. Just hearing those sounds. I feel like this was one of the better trailers uh, of the show, even though it didn't give us any story or anything. Uh, they also had another trailer for What Remains of Edith, Edith Finch. You're basically going to be exploring a spooky house. Sounds like Seventh Guest. Uh, let's, let's skip around just a little bit. They announced officially that Let It Die is available on the PlayStation 4 today. So in case you don't know, Let It Die is a free-to-play game uh, developed by Grasshopper Manufacturing and Gung Ho. Grasshopper Manufacturing, of course, did other games that I really like, like No More Heroes, Killer7, Shadows of the Damned, and, uh, I know I'm missing some, uh, The Silver Case, um... They've done a lot of work. People love Grasshopper. They are known for making just bizarre games. And I have some good news. I actually had a chance to play it. Uh, It's around 25 gigabytes, so you're going to want to get that download right away if you have any intention to check this out. took me about uh, almost two hours to download it just because PlayStation Network is so slow, uh, especially on that day because they had more free games. Or I'm sorry, they had more releases that day. We'll get into in just a second. What this game is, is it's a beat-em-up And it's kind of like Dark Souls, and it's kind of like a roguelike. Uh, So basically, you just play as a human being who has to wander through these these broken-down environments, collecting items along the way, like a fireworks gun or an iron where you shoot steam out of it, and you're battling other human beings. Uh, Sometimes people will invade your world. Other online players will invade your world to try and steal your belongings. And it's just, it's bonkers, man. You're collecting frogs and eating them and you're taking mushrooms to level up and you're, I I don't know. Basically, the best way I can explain it is the game is a game within a game. You are actually playing a game inside of an arcade with your best friend, uh, Uncle Reaper, who is death with crazy sunglasses on. (laughs) I don't think I can explain this game. I will say I do recommend you check it out because, hey, it's free. If you don't like it, just delete it. But let me tell you, the bizarre humor and story, they're going to put their hooks into you. I promise you that. Anyway, especially if you're a Dark Souls fan. Come on. Uh, they also announced that Mother Russia Bleeds, which is another digital Devolver game, is available on PlayStation 4 and Vita right now. Uh, Mark of the Wolves is now available on PlayStation 4 and Vita. Surgeon Simulator, available on PlayStation VR today. And Surgeon Simulator, it's a crazy, kooky game. Uh, But I've heard some early impressions from people saying that the PlayStation VR version is busted. So please avoid that. Uh, And they also announced Lara Croft Go for PlayStation 4 and Vita. I also heard the Vita version has some pretty miserable load time. So maybe hold off on that. And lastly, they revealed coming soon, Windjammers will be available on the PlayStation 4 and Vita with an online versus mode. In case you don't know. Windjammers is this sort of 
top-down volleyball fighting game thing. Uh, it was released 20 years ago. It is a good game. No one is disputing that. However, it is sort of a joke in recent memory because uh, people like uh, Giant Bomb, the, the video game website, have just been, you know, they've just been harping on Windjammers and calling it like the best game of all time. And it's it's all been rather humorous, but Sony is doubling down and they're just going to straight up release it. You've got to give them credit here. That was the general spirit of the show. If you ever asked, why would someone do that? Sony would just say, just cause. Would you remaster the original Prap of the Rapper? Yeah, just cause. Oh, oh okay. You, you're gonna, you're gonna just uh, release Let It Die out of nowhere? Yeah, yeah, just cause. Oh, okay. And you're gonna just re-release a 20-year-old arcade game that hardly anyone knows about, and it's mostly a joke. Yeah, just cause. Gotta give Sony credit there, though. It was pretty awesome. Uh, up next, they had Star Blood Arena, a brand new PlayStation VR game. Imagine rigs, except that it's all flying all the time. Uh, looking at this trailer, I could already see myself getting nauseous. Did not look good to me. They also had like a sort of a quick hit trailer that showed things like uh, Farpoint, uh, the brand new Psychonauts game, and Star Trek VR, whatever. Another trailer for uh, Neo, which of course is the upcoming Team Ninja game. Once again, no real details. It was like CG and arrows are flying everywhere and there's some slashing and whatever. It's These are like the type of trailers that you, um, they're announcement trailers. You know, this is the type of trailer that you would see on YouTube. Someone breaking it down frame by frame. That was everything that they had there. I just found that to be incredibly distracting. Just like, come on, tell me what your game's about, you know. Give me just, even just do the splash screen with words where it's like, amazing combat, uh, customize your abilities, things like that. That would have been fine for me. They also had another trailer for MLB The Show and revealed that there's going to be called Retro Mode. It's a classic arcade mode with Ken Griffey Jr. I think this is very, very smart because MLB, while very fun, uh, is a little overly complicated, a little, a little stat heavy. And being able to just sit down and play a classic arcade game already within a beautiful baseball game is perfect. Even the camera angle that they used, it's just, it's very reminiscent of Kim Griffey Jr. back on, uh, back on Nintendo 64. It was very good. Uh, Sean Layden went back on the stage and said, we have one more thing to reveal to you. And it was a trailer that basically opened up with, with, uh, with grass and a beautiful forest and it backed away and we saw a stop sign and there was graffiti on it. That was very reminiscent of a certain symbol from a game. And then zoomed in on hands that were all bloody and stuff. And those hands were playing a guitar as a shadowy figure entered an empty house. I mean, it wasn't completely empty because there were dead bodies everywhere. And then, you know, this voice was like, hey, kiddo, what are you doing? And the girl was like, I'm going to kill them all. The Last of Us Part 2. That's how they closed out the show. The Last of Us Part 2. I don't know how else to say this. I don't want them to make a part two of Last of Us. Last of Us is one of the best games of last generation. Last of Us is arguably the best game of last generation in terms of gameplay, in terms of story, uh, obviously in terms of graphics. And it was one of the very few games that had a perfect ending. It was a perfect self-contained story. Beginning, middle, end. You know, everything, everything was done immaculately. And now they're going to make a sequel. 
And just having a sequel exist to The Last of Us ruins The Last of Us. Oh, come on. How can you say that? They're just making a sequel. You can pretend like it doesn't exist. No, 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 it exists. It's over. The ending, and I'm not going to spoil anything about the original Last of Us, because if you have not played it, you should play it. But it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And just having a sequel, uh, you know, it... Things will be resolved. Some things will just be resolved. Uh, even seeing these characters uh, a few years later, and you will be playing as Ellie instead of Joel, just seeing those characters again means it, it, it just destroys the ending of that game. Just destroys it. Just destroys the entire game. Because now we know something. Now we know a little bit more information. And that's no good for me. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. And you know what the funny thing is? I, I can't wait to play it. I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, but uh, I, I think they destroyed something without realizing it. Uh, and, of course, Neil Druckmann's been out there just like, huh, of course, we, we're, we're well aware of these concerns of, uh, of players. But uh, let us tell you, we're, we're, we've taken that all into account. No, you can't. The moment you say, here it is, here's the sequel, it's over. You ruined it. You ruined it. And I, I think that's a real shame. And... Uh, I know this is an industry driven by sequels. I understand that. Um, but you you know, it's like Spec Ops The Line. You wouldn't want a sequel to Spec Ops The Line. Gone Home. You wouldn't want a sequel to Gone Home. There's just a point from an art... There's just an artistic standpoint where you say, that was perfect. And uh, they clearly are just going to say, no, we can, we can make it better. And they're wrong. They are wrong. No matter how good that game is. Even if it's the best game of all time, they really screwed up, in my opinion. I know it's bizarre, um, but uh, if you play The Last of Us, you probably have an idea of where I'm coming from. And that was the PlayStation experience. All in all, I will say, uh, let me start with the good. Uh, I mean, I thought it was a beautiful opening when they showed Uncharted. That DLC really caught your attention right away. Uh, I was blown away by all the remasters that they're going to be doing for the PlayStation 4. I mean, things like Wipeout, a classic game, uh, Prap of the Rapper, Panapon. Uh, you know, Loco Roco. This is really smart because it's returning those franchises. And when you when you do that, you know, when you raise a little bit of awareness for a franchise, there's a chance it's alive again. There's a chance it might get sequels, which is cool. So I'm all for it. I'm absolutely 100% behind it. I will say, though, the way they did a lot of these trailers, you know, Uncharted, you actually got to see this girl climbing through these environments, looking around, stealthily sneaking past, right? The Last of Us. Ooh, she's playing a guitar. Uh, here comes Joel, very slow and methodical. Very good. Good trailers. Everything else, it was just like, jump, jump, cut, jump, bash, run, music, and look, and looks over there, smashes that, blowing it up. It was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And, and sometimes they wouldn't even tell you what the games were. They were just montages it's like all right that, that was that was senseless i mean they had a you know one of the only other games that had a decent trailer i'd say was dreadnoughts that was one that i forgot to mention uh, which is already available on pc I, I guess it does very well there but yeah. but i will say the playstation experience they nailed it uh this was incredible uh just announcement after announcement after announcement after announcement and meaningful announcements this wasn't just sort of like we're proud to announce a brand new hat in final fantasy 15 it was like here are some games Here's some games that are going to be out in the future that you've never heard of, and, and, and big ones. Sequels to the Sony's biggest franchises and remasters. And you know what? Here's some games you can play right now. 
A plus, you know, just A plus. I, I expected very little. Uh, and in fact, if you listen last week, I even said like, oh, I wouldn't expect anything too big here. You know, it's mostly going to be about PlayStation VR and Vita. And they just, they obliterated that. They doubled down on their home console. And I'm very happy to hear that. But of course, they weren't the only big event this week. We had the 2016 Game Awards, uh, the show that's hosted by Jeff Keighley. The show that was really created by Jeff Keighley uh, spawned off from the Spike TV Game Awards, which were horrible absolutely horrible every single year and they lasted for 10 years not a one of them was worth anything and then he went to the vgx you know which is uh and always you know it's gonna be an online show and that too was horrible but this year the game awards finally nailed it finally nailed it a really good balance between uh, announcements and awards they gave people time to talk on stage uh, after, you know, while they're accepting their awards. And they also gave plenty of time to trailers to tell the story. I would say the trailers here were better than the PlayStation Experience trailers. However, uh, you know, I will definitely say the announcements at PlayStation Experience way better. Still, let's let's uh, go through all the news here. Start off with a pre-show. Uh, they showed a brand new uh, stage in Rocket League that takes place in space. That was very cool. Uh, Randy Pitchford was hanging out with Jeff Keighley. Randy Pitchford says, any Borderlands fans in the house? And people were cheering. wonder why he said that. Huh? Why didn't he say, any, any, any Battleborn fans in the house? Any, uh, any uh, Aliens, Colonial Marines fans in the house? No, no, of course he didn't. He said Borderlands. Because that's the only good thing they've ever made. Nah, besides Brothers in Arms, but they don't really make that anymore. Uh, he announced Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition, uh, which will be available on Windows, Xbox, PlayStation 4, and with a 4K mode on PS4 Pro, available April 7th. Uh, this is just a remastering of Bulletstorm uh, by People Can Fly, uh, which was published by Electronic Arts, I want to say, yeah, I don't know, like four years ago. Somewhere around there. It was, a, it was a very good game that unfortunately kind of got buried by some very bad marketing. Uh, and if you pre-order, you actually get Duke Nukem as a playable character in the campaign. And they actually have him fully vo voiced and reacting to whatever happens uh, in the game. Which is kind of cool. You know, it's a little something. At least Duke Nukem's in a good game again. Haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, they announced that the best handheld game slash mobile game of the year at the VGEAs uh, well, I'm sorry, the Game Awards, not the VGAs. They're the Game Awards, which these are all voted by a committee. The best handheld slash mobile game was Pokemon Go. I don't agree with that, but hey, makes sense. Uh, best fighting game, Street Fighter V. Awesome choice. Uh, best VR game, Res Infinite, which I was kind of shocked to see Res Infinite won best VR game. But uh, I, I did play a little bit of that game and I thought it was good. I thought it was good. You know, it was interesting. Uh, I prefer to play Res with a controller, but it, it certainly had its charm, you know. Uh, but the most anticipated game, as voted by fans, was Zelda Breath of the Wild. Why even have that award? Most anticipated game. It's just pointless, man. Uh, but the show finally started. That was all the pre-show. The show finally starts. Jeff gets on stage, 
And he keeps talking about how they're streaming even in China. Like he keeps bringing this up for some reason. And he will continue throughout the show to be like, we're streaming in China. Good for you, Jeff. I'm, I'm happy for you. Uh, he gets up on stage and says that one of the reasons he knew he had to do this show this year was to give one man a moment he was robbed of. Uh, the audience starts chanting Kojima's name, Hideo Kojima, the creator of the Metal Gear Solid uh, franchise. I mean, as well as Metal Gear and and Snatcher and, uh, you know, um, oh, God, Zone of Enders. Aha, I got it. <laughs> and uh, Boktai. <laughs> it took me a little bit to remember Zone of Enders, uh, you know. He Jeff tried to give him his award because he won the award last year. Uh, but Kojima was like, nah, man, I can't. I can't take the award, man. I, I just don't know. And so finally, you know, Kojima no longer with Konami. He's no longer uh, prohibited to attend these awards. Uh, they gave him the Industry Icon Award. And Kojima goes on stage. The crowd is going nuts. And here's what Kojima said. And I'm, I'm going to be paraphrasing a lot of quotes uh, through this segment. But here's what he said. Last year, I thought I lost everything. I didn't lose anything. Thanks to all of you. I thank you for all your support. I love you, Jeff. I love games. I love this world. I love all of you from the bottom of my heart. And then he said, one more thing. I brought an early gift. A brand new Death Stranding trailer. And you listening and watching right now. You saw this trailer, right? I hope you did. It's amazing. It is a masterpiece for a video game trailer because it doesn't really show you what the game is about, but it tells you a story. Uh, it just opens up. There's just mud and water all over the ground, just like the previous trailer. And it, it, it pans up and there's this chubby guy in a suit running around. And he's running towards a bridge. He's trying to go to this tunnel under a bridge. He looks up. He sees a rainbow. And he sees what looks to be B-52 bombers from World War II flying in the air. And he becomes uh, startled because there's something on the bridge. He hides underneath it. And the camera pans up. And it's a, once again, World War II-style tank with organs just falling out of it. Like human organs. Or maybe it was fish organs. Because there's a lot of dead whales everywhere. There are soldiers marching behind it, but there's skeletons. <laughs> like they are, they've got the guns, they've got the helmets, but they are clearly skeletons. You know, and it comes back to Gamel del Toro, who is the director of things like Hellboy and Pacific Rim, this world famous director who's supposed to be collaborating with Kojima, uh, you know, on PT, aka Silent Hills, which of course that was canceled by Konami. So now he's in this trailer and he, he turns on this little device he's got and there's a fetus inside of there. Right? Like a baby fetus. And he, it, it's unclear what his intentions are. But before long, he notices that the water is starting to rise around him. And deep within the tunnel, there's these red lights. You got more of those bad skeleton, creepy-ass dudes inside of there. And it zooms in on what appears to be their leader, uh, what, which is uh, the villain from Doctor Strange, the guy who plays Hannibal. I think his name is Mods? Mads? I don't really know how to pronounce his name, but he's a, he's a famous actor right now. And he's got these wires connecting to all of these soldiers. And, and he's pointing them in the direction, and he just, like, disconnects. And they go back into his body, and he looks down, and there's, like, a baby doll with, like, a flickering eyeball that's been floating around the entire time. And he's all happy to see this baby doll. Like, the baby doll's been spying on people for him. And then it just says, you know, Death Stranding. It's insane. 
And yet it was so compelling. Like, I felt so uneasy and creeped out. Like, most video games, it's kind of like uh, any post-apocalyptic world just doesn't focus. It focuses on the environment rather than the individual. And so when you see, like, a world that's blown up so many times, it's like, whatever. I don't care. Oh, the trees are burnt up. Oh, the trees are burnt up. Oh, that building fell over. Oh, no. When you see this, like, chubby, unfit guy carrying around a fetus and he's nervous like that's what i loved about this trailer and this is what i love about kojima in general the way he directs scenes in video games is a lot like film and i I, like what i'm trying to say is like very specific filmmakers auteur directors that will give you a moment to try and figure out what is that person thinking uh the director clearly knows what that person is thinking the audience does not we get to see that person sort of look at nothing But we're trying to figure out what are they looking at. They always give you a bit of time to think and ask, like, wow, what's going on here? And because it's it's centered around human emotions and horrific imagery, uh, it was very impactful. Like, I felt a true sense of dread. Like, everyone else is really excited for this game. I was like, oh, Jesus. I don't know, man. That's creeping me the hell out. And uh, Kojima delivers on the emotions he establishes in his trailers every time. Uh, I cannot wait. This is going to be a PlayStation 4 exclusive. I cannot wait. Uh, I, I love Kojima. You know, clearly, I think that's pretty obvious by now. Uh, Jeff was on stage, Jeff Keighley, and he said that all of that was running in 4K on a PlayStation 4 Pro in real time. And while I would normally be doubtful, once again, it's Kojima. And he just, he pulls more power out of consoles than anyone else. So... We'll see. It was also revealed that he is working with Guerrilla Games and will be using the engine that's seen in Horizon Zero Dawn uh, in uh, this game, uh, Death Stranding. Anyway, uh, they had a trailer for Warframe. The game has been around for three years. You can look that up if you care. They kept showing trailers for the Assassin's Creed movie, which just didn't look good. It looks like a. It looks. It looks. It looks like a very expensive sci-fi original and that is not a compliment i mean they got people jumping from wagon to wagon and people screaming at each other and oh boy oh boy i don't know it does not look like it will break the curse of bad video game movies anyway uh they had their very first musical act which was run the jewels which i love run the jewels they're a fantastic group you should check them out and and the dj actually had a gil scott heron for president t-shirt which is Amazing. I want to buy that t-shirt. That's unrelated to everything, though. They had the cast of Uncharted 4 go on stage for Best Art Direction, and the winner was Inside, which also won Best Independent Game. Uh, they uh, talked about how the the team that worked on Inside is already back at the workshop, uh, already hard at work on the next project that we will see at some point in the future. Uh, Inside was a gorgeous game. Uh, one of my favorite games of the year, undoubtedly. But best art direction? Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It had amazing art direction. But it was competing up against Overwatch. And for my money, Overwatch had just, you know, I'm not trying to say more is better, but the versatility in the art of Overwatch is stunning. Like, all these different characters that by all means should clash. They shouldn't look good together, but they do just because of how it's, it's just all the subtleties in it. And I, I love inside. I think that the camera angles were perfect. I love the environments. 
but I'd, I'd still have to give it to to Inside. I mean, I'd have to give it to Overwatch. I like Inside for very different reasons. So I don't know. I felt like Overwatch got robbed there. Uh, they had a world premiere announcement of Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series. You know, big deal. I don't know. The rumors are true. We've known about this for a while. Um, you know, I will say that, it, you know, Telltale will probably do a bang up job here. They did Borderlands, uh, the series, the Telltale series. That was amazing. And if you've not played that, that is one of the best games of last year. You need to fix that. I don't even like Borderlands. That is a great Telltale series. Check it out. Anyway, uh, they had Conan O'Brien introduce uh, Best Action Game. Uh, which was pretty great. He was talking about how technologically advanced he is while he was typing on a typewriter and using a rotary phone. And best action game of the year was Doom. And that really has to be the right answer, right? Like, Doom is just pure action. There are other games that have action, but they also have adventure. There are games that have action. They also have puzzles. There are games that have action. And they also have uh, uh, not action. But Doom is just pure action. You're shooting zombies in the fucking face and ripping them in half with your bare hands. That is action, man. So a very uh, well-deserved award. Uh, They then had the Games for Impact Award, which was won by that dragon cancer. Oof. And the father and developer of the game, lead developer of the game, uh, went to the stage. And uh, here's the thing, if you don't know, that dragon cancer is all about being a father uh, of a child that has cancer. And this was based off of the developer whose child had cancer and passed away. So it was tremendously difficult for him to make this speech. He was, he was in near tears the entire time. You could hear a pin drop and, uh, you know, just talking about how important his, his son was to him and how he has other kids at home. He's got his wife, uh, you know, and how much he was grateful to all the players and how they really focused on what was important and, and thanking them for letting them talk about, you know, his son. And, uh, it, you know, this is just, this is the difference. I, I would say this year, uh, I think games for impact last year didn't even have a stage presence. It was, it was just reference, but actually having that award there and allowing these creators to go on stage and just sort of bear their souls. Uh, it, it was utterly fantastic. Just great. Um, even Jeff Keeley said, uh, that's what, that's why we do the show. Uh, and then you start talking about China again <laughs> and there was a fans choice award just for China just the, for the fans in China, and the winner was League of Legends. Nada. It was sponsored by Tencent. So, of course, League of Legends uh, won. Anyway, Peter Moore was on stage to give the award for Trending Gamer. Uh, and I think it's worth pointing out that Angry Joe was nominated in this award, uh, which really shows, I mean, people look at Jeff Keighley and they think he's corrupt. They think there's some sort of collusion. Angry Joe actually went to one of the video game awards and and just sort of like verbally insulted Jeff Keighley for minutes on end in this bizarre interview uh, that he posted on his YouTube page. And all these years later, you know, Jeff Keighley still nominates him or or, or permits him to be nominated, does not interfere with that. A lot of respect to him. (coughs) But the winner, of course, was Boogie2988. Uh, Boogie had a really good speech where he talked about how you know, he's a big guy, you know, he's, he's, he's overweight. And, and, and in the real world, he is physically limited, uh, to say the least. Uh, but with video games, he can go anywhere. He can explore brand new worlds and he can do anything. And uh, also Peter Moore, you know, obviously from EA, 
he just stood there and, and just complimented Boogie, calling him a really nice guy, saying how cool he was. And it was just a very nice moment. Like I said, giving these people time uh, to talk. Uh, Cliffy B was back to show a brand new trailer for Lawbreakers. Once again, that game still looks very good, um, but I haven't played it. Supposedly, it will be out in 2017. Uh, I mean, he was getting into some very deep detail when he was being interviewed. He was talking about Mouse 1 and Mouse 2. So most of the time, they'll just tell you what you can do. They don't actually name the exact buttons that you do it with. So anyway, uh, best RPG of the year was The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, Hunt Blood and Wine, which is... DLC. I'm not sure why that should be nominated for best RPG. Whatever. Best strategy game was Civ 6. Best esports team was Cloud 9. Best music and sound design was Doom. And then they actually had a live performance of the Doom soundtrack, which I'm not, you know, the biggest heavy metal guy, but it was a pretty kick ass set. You can look that up for sure. Uh, Ted Price, the founder and CEO of Insomniac, went on the stage for best vocal performance. Oh, man. And the winner was Nolan North. And uh, Nolan North proceeded to go on stage and talk about performance matters. Huh? Huh? Well, let me tell you, without these developers over at Naughty Dog, my performance wouldn't matter. It wouldn't even exist. You might be saying, oh, that's kind of nice. He, he pointed out the developers. That's cool. Not really. Performance Matters is the hashtag for the SAG after a strike, the strike for the video game voice actors, because they are trying to uh, reach certain union rights so that they are safely working and they are fairly compensated for their work. So for Nolan North to get on stage and just throw that entire movement under the bus is so inappropriate. Uh, it's his time. He can say whatever he wants. I think he was a jackass. Because Nolan North uh, doesn't seem to understand that him standing there does not validate. He goes up there and says, well, without these developers, my performance wouldn't matter. Da, 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 da. Okay, fine. Well, then, you know, what if they got someone else to do the voice of Nolan North? I'm mean, Nolan North. <laughs> uh, uh, of, uh, of Drake. They get someone else to do the voice of Drake. It wouldn't be right, would it? There might be something wrong with that game. You know, think about all the games that have just perfect voice acting. And if you can't think of any, then maybe you don't even realize how much work goes into that. Nolan North does not understand that he is lucky. It is luck. He who can work as hard as you want all your life to get somewhere. The only reason you get there is luck. And that might be disturbing to some of you saying, what the hell are you talking about? It's hard work. It's determination. Yeah, those are prerequisites. But actual achievements are dictated by luck, and it's statistically proven. So for the person that just happens to be the luckiest guy in video game voice acting, throwing all of these hardworking people under the bus, just ridiculous. I know that, I know that probably annoyed some of you, because no one wants to hear that. That's actually luck, because that's very disturbing, and it's almost depressing. And, and, uh, but trust me. Whatever you have in your life, whatever you have positive in your life, it's just luck. It really is. It sucks, but that's the way the world works. Uh, Nolan North, uh, you a Dumbo. You a big old Dumbo. He also thanked Amy Henning, though, who didn't write the script for Uncharted 4. She uh, was, of course, let go or something from Naughty Dog. She created the series. 
Uh, so it was very cool for him to to, to uh, thank them. Uh, Arkind Studios then revealed a brand new trailer for Prey. Uh, and this, you know, this was one of the better trailers of the week. Uh, it was, it basically showed the the space facility in 2035. In case you don't know, Prey is a first-person horror game. It's a reboot of a franchise. Uh, but they had some incredibly bizarre powers. At one point, uh, this guy was trying to get into a room, all in first person. Couldn't get in there, right? And there was a cup next to a very tiny window. He shot the cup, became the cup, rolled the cup into uh, the the room, and then retransformed into a human being. Now, for me, that's all I needed to see. But there was just so much more. He had this foam gun that he was shooting around that would create platforms for him to jump on. So just re- just in real time, creating things that he can climb on top of. And also, there were, of course, like guns and shotguns and grenades that absorb people and spooky evil creatures. But those are the two things that really caught my attention. Anyway. Uh, boy. <laughs> World-famous pothead Michael Phelps was on stage for the best esports player, who, who was Cold Zira. Uh, he had a translator. It was cool. I don't know what else to say. I don't really watch esports. Uh, Vince Sampella, of course, the founder of Respawn and one of the people behind Titanfall 2, he was on stage for best sports slash racing game, which was won by Forza Horizon 3. The award was accepted by Aaron Greenberg Greensburg of Xbox, not anyone from the team, which was kind of weird. Didn't really feel appropriate, but they needed somebody there. And the rest of the team, I think, is uh, in Europe. Turn 10, I believe they are. So, whatever. Anyway. Reggie Fizume then took to the stage for the trailer for The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. This trailer was completely useless. Uh, that's a little bit cold. Let me go through this. Okay. It was Bill Trunin and Nate Bildorf. Uh, they were sitting on a couch together playing this game. And they were kind of doing like a Let's Play thing, a window on window. And I don't know. Basically, Bill Trunin tried to fight a bunch of things and he died. And then, and then Bill, or I'm sorry, Nate went in there uh, more stealthily using, you know, parachutes and arrows and was able to get through. Uh, and they were talking about how they were going to show us some new environments. But all of these environments were from E3. They even showed this one, like, environment where you had to collect something. And I swear to God, I saw it at least three times at E3. They've shown this area through multiple times. Uh, there was a big guy that he was fighting they zoomed in on one of the guy's faces and said, this guy's really big, but he was like really deadpan. And it was just like, there was gameplay and then just zoomed in on his face and went, this guy's really big. And it's like, okay, Nintendo, you're trying to make memes. Get it. Little uh, little meme engineering there. Very, very funny. And that was it. And it was just like, why the hell was that there? Like, if you're not going to show anything really interesting, why show anything at all? Like, this is all from the Nintendo Treehouse Five months ago, just lame, rather lame. I don't know, man. I think that game is going to disappoint a lot of people. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Could be wrong. But I really think that game is going to disappoint a lot of people. Anyway, they had a world premiere. Yacht Club Games had uh, Shovel Knight Spectre of Torment. You're playing a Spectre Knight and you are forming the Order of No Quarter, the villains in uh, Shovel Knight. Uh, it looked pretty good. I don't know. It looked like Shovel Knight. I think it's free DLC. Um, yeah, Club Games, you should start charging for your stuff. Just putting that out there. Uh, Mark Cerny, the creator of Knack, was then on stage for Best Narrative. And, of course, the winner was Uncharted 4. 
uh, Neil Druckmann and Joss Scree, she, sheer, Joss Shear, uh, they were on stage and they also thanked Amy Hennig, which is very, uh, very respectable and, and very cool. Anyway, fine. Let's, where are we going right here? They had a trailer for Halo Wars 2. It was all CG. Nothing really to discuss there. Uh, they had Tim Miller, the director of the Deadpool movie. He uh, gave the award for best game direction, uh, which weirdly enough, they didn't nominate games. They nominated studios and Blizzard won for Overwatch, which also won for best multiplayer and best esports game. Whatever. We're just going to be skipping around some stuff. Uh, they had a trailer for Walking Dead season three. That game's out in a week, so who cares? Um, they had the Mass Effect Andromeda gameplay, which I guess the very they kept saying this is the first gameplay you've ever seen of Mass Effect Andromeda. It's like, what? Didn't we see gameplay at the PlayStation 4 Pro reveal? I can swear we did. I can swear that was gameplay. Uh, what they did show was fairly impressive. It was a, um, it looked like a traditional third person shooter. Uh, it, it looked like an action game. Like it really looked, God, how do I even phrase this? It looked a lot more fluid than the previous games in terms of movement. Uh, whereas even Mass Effect 3, as, as far actiony as that game was, it, it, it still had clear RPG roots. This looked like a, a, an, an all frills third person shooter. It looked quite good. Uh, there were giant beasts. Uh, they actually showed the Mako, which is going to be driving around these huge environments. The the world that they showed off looked a lot like Australia with trees and grass. Uh, these areas looked vast. It almost reminded me when they were driving around, it reminded me a little bit of Halo Forge, uh, if you know what I mean. Just like all those vehicles collected together and individuals running around uh, on a map. Uh, they're still saying spring 2017, and I will say best of luck there. Finally, they went back and announced the game of the year, which of course was... Overwatch. And I saw some people online making fun of this. They're like, Overwatch, that doesn't even have a single player. And you're right. It doesn't. Uh, and that's a relevant point to a certain extent. Although, I guess the only way I read that was through the internet. So, you know, just putting that out there. Overwatch winning game of the year uh, makes a lot of sense. Because it's, you know, it's a game that when it launched, it was fantastic. And as it's gone on, it's only improved. And just in terms of sound and art design and, and just the way that the matches are paced, the way that you can play that game without having to be very good at first-person shooters, it really is accessible to everyone and addictive once you get, you know, uh, sort of, I don't know, accustomed to what they, what they do in Overwatch. I can't say I'm surprised. It has mass appeal, mass, mass, mass appeal. Uh, I'm not really sure what else would have won. Some people kept saying that Uncharted 4 was robbed, and it's like, guys, come on. This is voted by a committee. You don't like it? Get on the committee. This is not a fan award show. This is not This is not your Nickelodeon awards. This is where people that are in the industry, people that review games, people that make games, sit down and say, that's the best. And I'll say that all in all, the game awards this year, like I mentioned, are the best they've ever done. It really felt like... The Dice Awards, in a lot of respect, which is just industry voting on industry. Uh, this really felt like a, a respectable version of, of a video game award show. And I think what I appreciate so much about it is that it just didn't try to be anything but the game awards. It didn't try to appeal to anyone. Like they did on Spike TV where like Samuel Jackson's hosting. Didn't try any of that. There were no needless distractions. The musical performances were good. 
Um, and it just on all it, I, you know, I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't agree with all these choices for the awards, but it was good. Like I was like, okay, I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and on top of that, just the presentation, giving people time to talk, uh, you know, and when they were setting up for the next thing, they would just cut to a trailer. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. Plus we got a Death Stranding trailer and we got to see Hideo Kojima on stage. It was awesome. So all in all, Game Awards cannot wait for 2017. So all in all, a very good week for video game news. Oh my goodness. There's more video game news. That is definitely more video game news. That's right. It's time for the hype train. Feel the PR vibrations as we barrel towards video game satisfaction station on the hype train. This is the part of the show where we talk about all those upcoming video games to get you hyped up to spend all your money and become a video game guru. We don't have that many stories in the hype train. I'm not going to lie to you. The rest of the segments are going to be fairly short. With the exception of the chart park, of course, because we have uh, a lot of business news that we didn't address uh, in those other segments. Uh, but we are going to start off with the free games for PlayStation Plus for the month of December. Here's what we've got. On the PlayStation 4, you've got Color Guardians, which is also available on the Vita. Invisible Ink, which is only on the PlayStation 4. Stories Path of Destinies which is only available on the PlayStation 4 and has a lot of good reviews, I might add, and Tiny Troopers Joint Ops, also available on the PlayStation 3 and Vita. On the PlayStation 3, you've got Hyper Void, and on the Vita, you've got VVVVVVV, which is kind of appropriate. You got the Vita, and you got the... Hmm. You know, I never thought about this. Do you think they called it the Vita... Because it was like PlayStation 4 and then the Roman numeral for 5. So that like together the, the 9. No, no, probably not. Toot toot. Uh, what? Oot oot. Let's go back just real quick because I do want to mention that Color Guardians is actually a mildly entertaining game. I did an episode of First Hour on it. So you can check that out. Toot toot. We have more Xbox One backwards compatible games this week. Some of these are kind of forgettable. Some of these are more memorable. Astro Pop. Kind of forgettable. Medal of Honor Airborne. Kind of forgettable. Trine 2. There we go. That's an awesome physics puzzle game that has like medieval stuff in it. And The Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Oblivion, but there are many people out there that that, that was the reason they bought an Xbox 360. There's something just kind of cool about seeing that running, you know, on, on an Xbox One. It's just kind of cool, you know what I mean? Toot toot. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're just running through these stories this week. Uh, <laughs> Ubisoft has announced that on December 7th, uh, Uplay users will be able to download a free copy of Assassin's Creed 3 for free on the PC. A very good deal. Now, here's the thing. They're doing this sort of advent calendar thing where every day they're giving away something for free on their Uplay service if you go to the website. Here's the thing. Some Reddit users actually broke this down and discovered that Prince of Persia, Rayman Legends, Splinter Cell, and the crew will be available on the 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th, respectively. Uh, so if you want to get those games for free on your PC, just have a Uplay account, and that's how you got to do it. Toot toot. Uh, it has been announced that Dreamfall Chapters, The Longest Journey, will be out on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on March 23rd, 2017. 
Uh, it will include all five chapters of the, or I'm sorry, all five episodes of the PC version, which is kind of cool, you know? So, I don't know. If you're into that, check it out. Uh, Dreamfall is regarded as one of the best adventure games uh, of the past decade. So you definitely want to check this out. If you if you want to see something that's not Telltale, not LucasArts, just something a little bit more minimalist in its approach. Sort of a good balance between those classic adventure games, you know, point and click, where you're putting someone, and something like Myst, in a way. I, you know, definitely want to check that one out. Toot toot, here are the games that are going to be out this week. If you own a PlayStation 4, I have great news for you. The Last Guardian will be available on Tuesday, as will Werewolves Within for the PlayStation VR. If you own an Xbox One, I've got great news for you. Dead Rising 4 will be available on the Xbox One this Tuesday. If you own anything else, I've got bad news for you. Those are all the games coming out this week. I'm sure there's something on mobile, but those are really... All the games coming out this week. Boop, boop. That's going to do it for the hype train. But of course, we need to get outside. To a little place that's always warm with the glow of cold hard cash. That's right, it's time for... The Chart Park, the land where money grows on trees. Yes, the Chart Park. This is the part of the show we tell about the legal business and financial news in the video game industry, and we find out <laughs> which people of Wall Street will tip their top hats towards Lady Luck. It's just weird going through all of these so fast. I mean, I'm so late in this show. It feels like I'm, I, I, I should have already been here an hour ago. Uh, we're going to start off with some more Hideo Kojima news, but really it's Gamal Del Toro news. Of course, he is the director that was supposed to be involved in P.E.T. and Silent Hills. Uh, he took to Twitter to say this, and I will read it in my most authentic Gamal Del Toro voice. Here's what he said. Fuck Konami! Vivo Kojima! <coughs> Sorry. Konami cancelling Silent Hills after P.E.T. is one of the most moronic things I've ever witnessed. He then proceeded to eat a large sandwich and a whole bottle of wine by himself. Uh, he said in the past that he is done with video games, though his appearance in this most recent trailer kind of contradicts that, but he's a man with nothing to lose. Konami is a Japanese company that, you know, has gyms, it's got pachinko machine parlors, whereas uh, Del Toro, he works in movies. He can say whatever he wants about him. There's no conflict for him. He will never go to a movie studio and they're like, oh, well, actually, one of our investors is Konami. Never going to happen. He's in the clear, so he can say whatever he wants. Anyway, Final Fantasy XV came out earlier this week, and according to Square Enix, they've shipped 5 million copies. They also mentioned that their physical and digital sales have made Final Fantasy XV the fastest-selling entry ever in the series. Uh, director Hajime Tabata in a previous statement said that the game would need around 10 million copies to be successful. And it is important to note that while they mentioned that they shipped 5 million and they mentioned they are the fastest selling, you know, it's the fastest selling in, in the in franchise history. That does not mean that they sold 5 millions. Shipped and sold are, are different altogether. Uh, we did get a comment last week in YouTube from Bruce, who uh, listens to the show, and he mentioned over in Australia, he was waiting in a line with at least a dozen people to buy the uh, super expensive Collector's Edition. 
So, you know, they're probably making a hell of a lot of money off of this. Uh, I did see one comment online that said that they're sort of playing with the numbers here. The reason it's the fastest selling in franchise history is because there's a simultaneous worldwide launch, whereas previously it would come out in Japan and then months later it would come out in America. But this time they're all together taking place, like I said, Australia, UK, America, Japan, even good old Canada got in on the action. So that's actually probably why it's the fastest selling in history. Uh, best of luck to them. I don't think they're going to hit 10 million anytime soon. All right. Moving on. According to Super Data, <laughs> I believe it's Super Data. I'm not, I don't actually know. Well, there was a report that came out that said that uh, online sales altogether for video game consoles favored the Xbox One over the PlayStation 4. They also mentioned that altogether online sales for Black Friday were $3.39 billion in the United States, and it was up 10% from last year. Uh, so the Xbox One was more popular when it came to the Black Friday sales online. They didn't give exact numbers. Uh, unrelated to this, over in the UK, 1.9 million video games were sold on that Black Friday period. Who knows how many went to Xbox One? Who knows how many went to PlayStation 4? What it comes down to, though, is that according to this exact same report, the PlayStation 4 was in the lead for November up until Black Friday. They didn't have any more information regarding this. All they could say is that it was in the lead and that Xbox did better on Black Friday. So that means the month of November is a real toss-up. I'm going to let you know right now, it does not matter who wins. It does not matter who wins this month. This is great news for consumers because it means they've created a competition where these two video game companies, these two platform holders are neck and neck, just barely outpacing each other. And that means you're going to get all your favorite standards. You're going to get a first-person shooter exclusive and on the other console, a first-person shooter exclusive, you know. They're going to be matching blow for blow, but it also means they're going to have to think outside the box. They're going to have to take some weird risks to try and surprise their competition in one way or another, which is great. That means that we might be seeing, I don't know, uh, a sequel to Prepper the Rapper. <laughs> you know, you never know. Like, stuff like that. That's the only way you can win it. You, you, you can't just go for what's predictable. You have to go to those franchises. You have to be like, yeah, we've got Call of Duty. Yeah, we got Batman. Yeah, we got whatever. But here's this bizarre new game where you play as a piece of cloth that flies through the air or something. Whatever. I mean, that's how you get things like Flower and Flow back in the PlayStation 3. When you're neck and neck and you need that edge, that thing that's going to pull in people with your unique aspects. Very excited for that. Also, it means that we'll probably get some great deals because they're going to try and beat each other uh, economically. So good news. Anyway, no, 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 I screwed it up. Here's the article from Superdata, and it's in regards to PlayStation VR. Previously, Superdata estimated that 2.6 million PlayStation VR units would be sold by the end of 2016. They have adjusted their forecast to 750,000 units. You might be saying, dumb Superdata. Why are you so stupid? Well, don't exactly get mad at them. They have their reasons why they had to readjust their forecast. Uh, Stephanie Lamas uh, said 
that there were supply inconsistencies, which I can definitely say firsthand I have seen, and I bet you have too, go out and buy a PlayStation VR. It's difficult. There's just not enough of them. And there was a lack of marketing. Uh, here's what she said. Sony has also pointed out that VR looks even better on PlayStation 4 Pro than the standard PlayStation 4 uh, or PlayStation 4 Slim. So the message to most gamers is get the Pro now, then the PlayStation VR later. As a result, we won't see them break 1 million shipments until well into next year. Uh, but they can afford to take it slow, uh, pointing out there's a lack of competition. And you know what? She's right on both ends. There were some major supply constraints. There were also, and this is very important, a real lack of marketing. Remember all those PlayStation VR ads? Do you? Do you really? Or do you remember Taco Bell ads? Because that's the only place I ever saw was, oh, you buy a Taco Bell, uh, maybe you got a headset. Uh, maybe you buy a Taco Bell uh, VR. And then as soon as that contest ended, so the commercials. They were just gone. Just gone. I was surprised how crisp that snap was, so I wanted to do it again. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think the advertisements for PlayStation VR were terrible. I think Sony did a miserable job of marketing the system to begin with, just like the basic commercials. Like, here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. I'm a little crazy, kooky guy, uh, but when I'm introducing a brand new concept and really trying to say what it is and how it works, I would just book a minute-long ad, 60-second spot, the first 10 seconds, guy or girl sitting on a couch, you know, with, with the PlayStation camera, they put on the headset. So you show someone putting on the headset. You don't just immediately go into the game. You show slowly them putting on the headset and picking up move controllers, okay? And then the next, I don't know, 35 seconds, you show uncut footage of just one game. I would say... Maybe have it be the London heist when you're on the highway because you're picking up stuff and you're shooting guns and you're looking all around. And then after 30 seconds, you jump back uh, and, and and you show the girl taking... Oh, no, don't show her taking off the headset. Show her moving around and doing all that stuff. Yeah, VR looks stupid. And, you know, maybe that's a bad for marketing. <clears throat> I don't agree. But at least it communicates that you're really doing that. And then for the last 10 seconds... PlayStation VR, available now, and here's a website for more information. You know, actually give them somewhere to go. Everyone's looking at their phones, you know. Just go here, you know. Uh, available now for PlayStation 4. Really basic advertisement. Here it is. Here's someone using it. Here's what it looks like when you're inside of there. Here's, yes, really, this is it. Look at this person. They're moving around, and they're moving around in the game. And here's a website where you can find out more. Instead of just relying on a fucking Taco Bell commercial... Anyway, moving on. <laughs> There's a reason they're not going to reach that 2.6 million. Nintendo and Universal have had released a press release regarding their partnership for North America. It's been revealed that, yes, they will now expand from Japan to Orlando and Hollywood in Universal Studios for a Nintendo-themed attraction. Basically, it's going to be like Harry Potter's World of Wonder. Anyway, here's what it says. Imagine the fun of stepping into a larger-than-life Nintendo adventure. Gigantic piranha plants spring to life. Question blocks, power-ups, and more surround you. And Mario and all his friends are there to pull you into a brand new world. 
Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Apparently, they spent $351 million in Japan alone building up this attraction. We don't have exact details. Uh, you know, it's funny. It wasn't so long ago that Universal Studios was regarded as a joke, like some weird, you know, store brand version of Disney World. But that's really changed ever since they started taking weird risks like The Simpsons and Harry Potter and doing it immaculately. Nintendo has seen that. They're cashing in on that. And good for them. Nintendo is very smart for getting on this. Because think about it. You've got all these attractions. You've got locations. That, of course, that advertises the games. Yeah, of course it does. You know, But they also have t-shirts. And mugs and snacks that are Nintendo themed. They will have so much stuff for people to buy there that's Nintendo themed. They're the advertisements afterwards. They're walking around with the logos all over themselves. And on top of that, Nintendo's games suddenly become something more than they were before. Obviously, video games are, you know, an incredible art form. But it's pretty smart what they're doing here because suddenly that game no longer is just a game. It is a representation of a happy time in your life, a vacation. I think it's a rock-solid idea. Good on Nintendo. Good on Universal. A+. And they're really the only video game company that could pull this off. I mean, you do the Microsoft one. That's no good. You're going to hang out with Blinks the Time Sweeper Cat. Nobody wants that. I mean, I do, but nobody else. Anyway, moving on. The Advertising Standards Authority in the UK has ruled that uh, No Man's Sky's Steam page uh, was an accurate representation of the product sold. Uh, this is a uh, organization over in the UK that is well respected by many people. They make sure that advertisements are not false. Now, this is important to note that they are just addressing the Steam, spa Steam page, and here's what they said. We understood that the screenshots and videos in the ad had been created using game footage and acknowledged that in doing this, the advertisers advertisers would aim to show the product in the best light. Taking into account the above points, we consider that the overall impression of the ad was consistent with the gameplay and the footage provided, both in terms of that captured by Hello Games and by third parties, and that it did not exaggerate expected player experience of the game. We therefore, therefore, therefore concluded that the ad did not breach the code. And I completely agree with their ruling. About this, uh, about this Steam page. I know that many people are out for blood because it turns out that this uh, uh, massively multiplayer online RPG, which it never was advertised as, is just an exploration game. And of course, there are many things that people can point to with uh, uh, with Sean Murray saying things that are, are certainly exaggerations. Um, there, there is a lot of hyperbole in his statements of the past. However, good luck to having any sort of uh, legal angle with that. I mean, what judge is going to take in some interview you did for a website? You know? What comes down to is, were the advertisements in any way an attempt to trick you? And the answer is no. And sure, you can point to some CGE3 trailer. I'm sorry, that's just the way video games are. Uh, I, I bet they will be a lot less popular. But, I mean, you're not watching, you know, any of these trailers, uh, you know, at, um, at the PlayStation Experience. These, these CG trailers... Uh, like the the Last of Us uh, Part Two, and going, well, I didn't get to play the guitar. You know, like you're not gonna do that. You're, it'd, be, it'd be ridiculous. You're not gonna be suing Death Stranding for saying, well, I wasn't Gamel Del Toro. No, you're not. And, I, and I'm sure that many people would, 
be willing to argue that point viciously and going, no, you see, it's all just been a big trick. But hey, look, there's, there's an entire organization devoted to this one subject. And they looked at that Steam page and said, nah, this is fine. So you can still be mad, but, you know, no one's going to be doing anything about it. Anyway, and the final bit of news here. It's been revealed that you will now be able to purchase a Sonic plushie at Build-A-Bear for $35. Uh, the online bundle also has a 13-inch Tails plushie available for $13 and a digital sound chip, which represents the Sonic the 3 uh, sound effects, which will be sold separately. It's depressing to say this, but you know what? Sega made a very smart move getting in business with Build-A-Bear uh, because that is what Sonic is these days. He is a, mer- mar- he's a, he is a marketing tool. Yeah, sometimes he's a comic book character, but he's not a video game character. Make no mistake, Sonic stopped being a video game character over a decade ago. Right now, all he is is he is something that you see on hats and comic books and fan art and all those types of things. You see him in the game, he's utter shit. Uh, so having a Build-A-Bear for kids to get attached to so that they can watch Sonic Boom on Cartoon Network makes perfect sense. It's just really depressing whenever I think about Sonic the Hedgehog these days. Anyway, let's go over to the UK to find out where the top 10 best-selling games of the week. Number 10 was Gears of War 4 on the Xbox One. Number 9 was Grand Theft Auto 5. Number 8 was Uncharted 4 Thieves' End. Number 7 was Forza Horizon 3. Number 6 was Watch Dogs 2. Number 5 was Battlefield 1. Number 4 was Pokemon Moon. Number 3 was Pokemon Sun, which combined makes them the best-selling game of the week, but whatever, this this is the future we live in right now. Number two was Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, and number one was FIFA 17. Uh, you know, I've said it for a very long time. I think, you know, soccer or, or football, very popular over in the UK. Just my personal opinion. You know, I haven't done the research. I think they like uh, football. Just a guess. Just, just a gut feeling. Now let's go to the cursed land of bullet trains known as Japan to find one of the top 10 best-selling games over there. Number 10 was Monster Hunter Frontier Z Beginner's Package. Mmm. Mmm. That is not a good name. On the PlayStation 4. Number 9 was Code Realize Chukufuku no Miri. On the PlayStation Vita. Number eight was Aikutsu Stars, My Special Appeal on the 3DS. Number seven was Samurai Warriors, Sanada Maru on the PlayStation 3. Number six was Samurai Warriors, once again, on the PlayStation Vita. Number five was Animal Crossing New Leaf, Welcome Amiibo, which I believe is just with the... What? I think it just has the update on the cartridge. Maybe it's a budget-priced game. I'm not really sure. Number four was Samurai Warriors, once again, on the PlayStation 4 this time. Number three was SD Gundam G Generations Genesis on the PlayStation 4. Uh, And number two was the same game on PlayStation Vita. I saw some trailers for this SD Gundam uh, G Generations Genesis game, and I I actually really like uh, Gundam. And I I actually have liked some Gundam games in the past, like Federation vs. Xeon. Checked out the trailer of this. This looks like shit. Holy crap, this game looks bad. And number one is, predictably, Pokemon Sun and Moon raking in yet another 375,000 copies. But what are the best-selling consoles over in Japan? We have them right here. Starting off with 
New 3DS LL with 45,622. PlayStation 4 with 33,859. 2DS with 18,158. PlayStation Vita with 12,240. PlayStation 4 Pro with 8,253. New 3DS with 6,955. Wii U with 3,493. PlayStation 3 with 623. 3DS with 482. Xbox One with 95. And in last place, 3DS LL. No numbers were included in this listing. So we're going to have to take uh, their word for it that for the 11th week in a row, Xbox One has not been in last place in Japan. Congratulations, you crazy system. And that's going to do it for the Chart Park, the land where money grows on trees. I hate to break it to you. There is no pocket talk this week. There is no idiot of the week. If there was, it would be Nolan North, but we're just not going to talk about that anymore. So we're just going to have to skip to the last segment. Because this show is kind of running long. In a little something uh, we like to call... Strong History! This is the part of the show where we talk about all the anniversaries 10 years ago and beyond with game releases and news. It's quite a trip. (laughs) We're going to start off with 10 years ago, 2006. D... (laughs) I'm loopy, man. I've been very sick for the past few days, so this is... (laughs) This is a trip, man. Uh, Ten years ago in 2006, Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops was released on the PSP. Uh, This was, you know, a follow-up to Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, uh, and it followed the story of Snake uh, in the 1970s. And, uh, you know, I gotta say, uh, this game, it's not very good. Not very good. It's okay. I mean, it's got some good cutscenes, but even Kojima has, has written it out of canon. Uh, of course, a far superior version, uh, known as, uh, Peace Walker would be released just a few years later, and an even better version of that, which of course is the Phantom Pain, would be released a few years after that. So this game just, you know, only if you're a Metal Gear fan, you know? Also 10 years ago in 2006, Castlevania Portrait of Ruin was released on DS. This is one of my favorite Castlevania games and one of my favorite DS games where it has two characters instead of one jumping into paintings. And what I like about this is it has the Metroidvania style, but when you jump into those paintings, it's like classic Castlevania, single stage. Uh, There's even a really creepy one where you fight clowns in a circus. So if you don't like clowns, maybe I wouldn't recommend that. 11 years ago, the original Yakuza was released back in 2005. Love that game. As was Super Mario Strikers on the GameCube, arguably the only good Mario sports game. Gonna stand by that. That's a really good one. 13 years ago, in 2003, IGN announced a merger with GameSpy, forever changing the video game media landscape. 15 years ago, in Japan, on the PlayStation 2, Eco was released, uh, which was originally designed to be a PlayStation 1 game, and later this week, will receive its third in a trilogy? Uh. 17 years ago, on the Nintendo 64 in 1999, Xena Warrior Princess, the Talisman of Fate was released. I never really watched Xena, but let me tell you, this game, it was pretty great. She had this disc that she could throw, and it would go into like, it would go into like a, a flight simulator, where you could make it bash into people's foreheads. So you'd actually like, you'd be zooming into someone's forehead, but even crazier, you could, you could use that disc to take out everyone in the level before you even got there. And so like... You'd be flying around curves and going through windows and killing the guys just waiting around. It was ridiculous. 
18 years ago in 1998, Animaniacs 10-Pin Alley was released on the PlayStation. Uh, this is back when people had no idea how to make licensed games. You like Animaniacs? Well, I think it's time to bowl. Yeah, more like you smoked a bowl. <laughs> Came up with that idea. 20 years ago on the original Xbox in 19... Oh, no, I screwed this up. <laughs> well, I, I don't know where this belongs. I believe it's 10 years ago. Uh, probably 11 years ago, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2 was released on the original Xbox, but 20 years ago, no, that was 12 years ago, 2004, okay, 20 years ago, Parappa the Rappa launched in Japan, one of my all-time favorite games designed by Nana Anshan, just a gorgeous, weird, bizarre, beautiful, I, I, I love Parappa the Rappa. You have to play it. 22 years ago, The Lion King was released, as was uh, Beyond Oasis on the Genesis. If you like dry RPGs, you might enjoy Beyond Oasis. 23 years ago, something called Doom was released on the PC. I don't know what that is. I uh, wonder if it has anything to do with that new Doom game that came out this year. I don't know. And 28 years ago, Street Fighter, just Street Fighter, was launched on the TurboGrafx CD over in Japan, this was the first home release of Street Fighter, period. And it was not very good. Street Fighter 1 is not very good. Just period. But it would lay the groundwork for uh, Street Fighter 2. So all is forgiven. And most importantly, Puzzle Fighter. So, hey, cool by me. And lastly, 30 years ago in Japan, RBI Baseball was released on the Famicom, forever changing the standard of baseball games, where it had tons of stats. Uh, you could actually trade players and play through a whole season. Sports games would never be the same, thanks to RBI Baseball. I don't think RBI exists anymore, so RIP Baseball. And that's going to do it for Strong History. All right. Well, I've had a lot of fun with you, but I think it's time to close out the show. Remember, if you want to follow the pressure cast, you can go to at VGA Dumb on Twitter, and you of course go to youtube.com slash video games are dumb to check out my review of Final Fantasy 15. That'll be up on Tuesday. Uh, what's going to be coming up this week? I'm going to be playing The Last Guardian. I'm going to try and crush that game so I can get a review out as soon as possible, and then I'm going to do a review of Dead Rising. Uh, and then next week, we will start doing some best and worst of the year. So, yeah. Yeah, look forward to that. Look forward to that. Uh, but that's really going to have to do it uh, for this episode. Like I mentioned, uh, RBI Baseball. RBI. I don't know what that means. But I assume it means really bad indigestion, uh, which kills people. Indigestion can actually uh, destroy the uh, internal lining of your uh, stomach and just kill people. Just kill them dead. But the pressure cast will never have indigestion because the pressure cast is forever. See you guys.